0: I am convinced that we can have a lovely day, an awesome day, an incredible day in spite of whatever negative, difficult, horrible situations, things that we're going through. Do you agree? <laughs> Not too sure. <clears throat> so we're in week two um, of our series called Positively Addicted, and we said this last week, we're all addicted to something. So just in case you feel really good about yourself and you think, "I'm not addicted to anything, oh, yeah, you are. It might be sugar. Granulated, not lipolated. Some probably maybe lipolated as well, but anyhow, that's another story. We're all addicted to something. The short definition of addiction is a strong inclination to do, to use <laughs> or indulge in something repeatedly. right? And so you can be addicted to anything. And I said last, last week that negativity is probably at the top of the list. And I think that it's time that we turn the tide on addiction. If we all have this inclination to repeatedly indulge in, think about, <clears throat> do things repeatedly, why don't we turn the negative into a positive? And so I think that, uh, you know what, we live in a very negative world. What if we could turn the negative world that we live in into an optimistic world? What do you think? Boy, y'all didn't go there with me either. So today, in order to do that, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about gratitude. That's right, gratitude. And maybe you're wondering, what in the world does gratitude have to do with optimism? I'm glad you asked. Proverbs fifteen verse thirteen says this: A happy heart makes the face cheerful, <clears throat> but heartache crushes the spirit. So you don't need no Botox, you don't need no anti-aging cream, you don't need no facelift. If you want to uh, improve the curb appeal of your face, just put a smile on it. I got one clap. I'm just saying, let me tell you what I've learned. Let me tell you what I've learned. And I learned everything the hard way. It seems like most of the stuff that I share with you that I learned, I didn't learn in a day. I didn't learn in a week. I didn't learn in a year. It seems like it's taken me years to be able to get some of this stuff maybe from my head to my heart and to be transformed by it. But I'm telling you, I believe that the smile can come from I believe that maybe the only place that a smile can come from on certain days is a heart that's full of gratitude. And maybe this sounds like this is some kind of preachy Sunday morning stuff, Bible thing, and you're thinking, you know, like you're in church on Sunday morning, obviously it's what you're supposed to say. But let me tell you what I found. That During my research, I read studies from Harvard University, the Mayo Clinic. Uh, I read stuff in psychology today that were all talking about the psychological benefits of gratitude. Now, each one of those, some listed maybe as many as 20, I think one was 21, all these different benefits, but all three of these areas, all three of these studies that I looked at had at least five things in common. All, all of these studies had five things in common. Gratitude eliminates toxic emotions. Hey, this is secular studies. This is not even, we're not even in the Bible yet, Okay. This is just what, this is what secular institutions have learned. And what I love is when a secular institution, without even realizing it, know that they're tapping into a Bible truth. Come on, somebody. That's good. That's good. It eliminates toxic emotions. It reduces pain. That's pretty awesome. Improves sleep quality, aids in stress regulation, and reduces anxiety and depression. So does it sound like a miracle drug? This thing called gratitude? Gratitude? Well, it is. It is a miracle drug. So if you find yourself in a bit of a pit, uh, maybe living with some anxiety, maybe living with a little bit of negativity, maybe you're struggling with some bitterness, some anxious thoughts, then hang on, because today what we want to learn how to do is to tap into this thing called gratitude. We want to learn how to be grateful people. And I promise you this, the world around us will change because we'll be changed. So, we're going to be looking at Philippians 4, uh, verses 4 through 8. Let me give you a little bit of the backstory before we jump into the passage because I think the backstory makes all the difference in the world. If you're new to church or if you hadn't been in church for very long, or maybe it's just been a long time since you've been to church, then maybe you'll know this, maybe you won't. But Paul's writing this letter to this group of Philippians, um, and this is known as being like a letter of joy. And so he's very joyful. And so what he's doing is he's writing them really a letter of thanksgiving. And he's telling them how appreciative he is uh, to them and for them for all that they've meant to him. They, They were extremely close. There have been some theologians out there that believe that this was like, of all the churches that he planted, this is his favorite church. And here's what else you need to know. What you need to know is that he's writing this while he's in jail. That's a big deal, don't you think? He's, he's in jail. And just so you know, this wasn't like, you know, just spending the night for a public brawl. That's not it. I mean, he did have a pretty fiery temper. I mean, if you read the book of Galatians, like he was pretty fired up right out of the gate, a hothead. He got all over Peter in, in Galatians chapter 2. I'm just saying that he could have a fiery temper. I could see maybe where somebody pushed him too much and physically he got involved. But he's not there for, for a fight. He's there for preaching the gospel. Now, people were threatened by the gospel. Why? Why would the gospel be so, such an, something that would, that would threaten anyone? Because everybody believed, as, as the gospel is being propagated, that Jesus is going to be Lord of lords and maybe King of kings, and that got everybody upset. It got the religious group of people upset. It got the government upset. Everybody's on edge. And just so you know, saying, well, that's not that big of a thing, right? I mean, he got out, right? No, he actually, he eventually he was beheaded. And it's in this situation where he's in prison, literally chained to a Roman guard 24-7. As I understand it, every eight hours there would be a changing of the guard. So he's in, he's in jail. He's chained to a guard, eventually facing death, and he writes these words, He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And so if there's a man who is in prison, literally chained to a guard, they don't trust him to just be in a prison cell by himself. He's not trusted. He is such a danger that they literally chain him to someone. And if this man can say rejoice and say it twice, I'm just telling you, i want to hear what he's got to say. If he can find joy in the midst of his circumstance, then maybe there's some hope for me. So he says rejoice twice. And you know why he says rejoice twice? He's trying to emphasize the importance of what it means to rejoice. And I thought this was so, so cool. The word, the Greek word for rejoice is kairo. And it means, it means to be glad. Makes sense, right? So rejoice, rejoice, be glad in the Lord. That kind of makes sense. But there's a sweeter, deeper truth here the root word for Cairo is um, directly from the word charis which means grace having God's unmerited favor in other words I can rejoice because of God's grace his unmerited favor in my life I'm getting something from God I do not deserve I'm receiving the wonderful beautiful incredible gift of salvation and I got to be honest with you I'm old I'm old as dirt I'm not quite old as dirt, but I do know what new dirt smells like. I mean, I've been around for a long time. And I'm telling you, I have never been able to get over the fact that Jesus somehow saw something in me that was of value and was of worth when I couldn't find any value or any worth in myself. And that he came looking for me in a warehouse on Pelham Road on a Monday morning about 10 minutes till 7. I didn't even know God got up that early. And I've never gotten over it. The incredible, beautiful, wonderful grace of God. Then I got in church. Found His grace and then I got in church. And many, many years ago, I'm not sure how many years ago it was, but it was at a point when literally I was in the ministry. I was was a pastor in a, a small church and I was frustrated with God. None of you have probably ever been there, but I was really frustrated with God because he wasn't answering my prayers the way I thought that he should. Anybody else? You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. And you've got to have this thing figured out. I mean, you, you say, God, really, if you'll work right here, my thing was always, God, if you will work, your name's going to be glorified. I mean, I'm doing it. God, the, the request really is all about you. Now, I do get a little benefit from it, but mostly it's about you. And so I would pray and I would pray and I would pray and I would ask God to move. I would ask God to work and then God wouldn't work. And then it all came back on me. My frustration ultimately would come back on me. And I would say, well, God, why would you answer my prayers anyway? I mean, why would you answer my prayers? I mean, I'm pretty sorry. I'm pretty low down. I'm pretty no count. Lord, I'm in the ministry. I still have thoughts I shouldn't have. I still say things I shouldn't say. I still do things I shouldn't do. I mean, of all, all you preacher boys out there, Lord, I've got to be, you know, at the very bottom of the list. I mean, I've got to be the worst that you got. And so honestly, God, that you wouldn't answer my prayers. I mean, really? Why would you answer my prayers? And I became so discouraged that I wanted to give up and quit the whole Jesus thing. But I knew that that wasn't an option for me. Let me tell you why. It wasn't an option for me because why I wasn't happy with my walk with Jesus. I knew that going back to my old way of life, that wasn't wasn't an option either. So I didn't forget how bad things were then. I, I remembered how bad it was. I remember how terrible I felt. I remember how that sin just weighed me down, and I was lifeless, and I was miserable, and I didn't want to go back to that. And so honestly, and maybe some of you are there right now, I just felt stuck. You know, I can't go forward in my spiritual walk, but I'm not going backward to my old way of life. And so I was angry. I was angry at God. I was angry at myself. And I remember thinking one day, I'm, literally, it's, it's what I wrote. And I say, thinking one day, and I don't know if it was, I was thinking this early in my walk, or if it was Holy Spirit just gently speaking to me. And I say, gently. And I remember thinking, what if God never answers another prayer you pray? What if He doesn't? Hasn't He done enough? I mean, the reality is, is that if all I ever got from God was salvation, it's enough. What I realize I deserve is hell. That's what I deserve. I mean, I'm a sinner. I still can't quite get it all right. I still mess up. I still fall short. I still feel like I I disappoint him every day. And the thing of it is, is if all I ever got if all God ever blessed me with was a home in heaven, a place to go when I die. I mean, I had to admit that was enough. And so that whole thought began to change my prayer life. I began to think, God. If you never answer another prayer that I pray, I want you to know I'm okay with that. I'm Okay. And, and God, if you do, you know, somehow come along and answer a few prayers, you know, every now and again, then that's kind of like just icing on the cake. But if you never do anything else for me, you know what? You've done enough. And that prayer, honestly, that prayer began to change my outlook on life. See, the Bible's really, really clear that we all have sinned. We've all miserably sinned. Fallen short of the glory of God. None of us here this morning are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And even though that is true, here's what the killer is. Even though that is true, God still sent his one and only son who was the perfect, sinless sacrifice. Jesus, God's son, who came to earth, never sinned. But he went to the cross and died on the cross and shed his blood to pay the payment, the penalty for our sin. Is that crazy or what? And he says, I'm crazy about you. I love you so much. And I want to be in a relationship with you. And I would go, oh, Lord, really? Me? You long to be in a relationship with me? Yeah. The Bible says that all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. And just so you know, this whole idea of believing, John 3, 16, whoever believes in him, and that word believe, there's like seven different things that that word believe means. I just want you to understand it's more than a head knowledge, okay? It's more than a head knowledge. And you can say, well, I believe all the facts about Jesus. That's awesome. But it's more than believing the facts about Jesus, that he was God's son, that he came to earth, that he went to the cross, that he died on the cross, that he shed his blood. That is awesome. To believe that God raised him from the dead on that third day, it is awesome. But it's more than believing the right stuff. James 2.19 says the devil believes, all of the demons of hell believe in that. But it's your willingness to say, God, I've come to the end of myself and why you would want to have a relationship with me beats me. But you paid the price. And so, God, I want to surrender my life to you. That's not perfection. That's just an attitude of surrender every day. That's what salvation is. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. No one's looking around. So maybe here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Right now, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior. I want to give you the opportunity to make him the master and the Lord of your life. And I can't imagine that if you're not a follower of Jesus, how in the world, would, why, would you have, why would you turn him down? It's crazy. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to, be, like to be, maybe you just pray a prayer or something like that. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. I'm guilty of sin. You were not. But you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood. To pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe you're alive and you're well. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. And to the best of my ability, I'm fully surrendering my life to you. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you're probably thinking, dude, like that's it. That's like the fastest sermon ever. I mean, this is awesome, right? And you're thinking, like, that's, that's enough? I mean, is it over? Because if you've been to church a while, you'll know we come to the invitation. We give the invitation, and then we do a couple of announcements. Y'all don't listen to. And uh, we do a couple announcements, say a few things, you know, there's a moving mouth. And, and then we all go home, and you're thinking, so is this it? No, it's not it. But let me tell you why it's not it. It's not it because this is not where salvation ends. There's more to be grateful for than just salvation. And salvation is pretty doggone good, isn't it? Can you say doggone like in church and it be spiritual? But there's more. Listen, there's more to be grateful for. There's more to be thankful for than just salvation. Let me tell you what Paul says. Verse 5, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Notice what he says. Four words, man, they're awesome. Are they four? The Lord is near. Four. The Lord is near. Why are y'all looking at me like that? So here's what Paul's saying. And this is why this is so sweet for me. Now, remember context? I told you context is everything. So Paul is in prison. He's in jail. And he's in jail until he is literally chained to a guard 24-7. Every eight hours, there's a in of the guard. He knows that, that his death is impending. It's right around the corner that people hate him. They hate what he stands for. They hate the gospel that he preaches. And that ultimately, they want him dead right? And so here's what Paul says. He says, but in, in spite of the fact that I'm in prison, chained to a guard, I am not here alone. God is with me. Oh, you don't hear me. There have been times in my life, folks, I've been, I've been through stuff that I, you can't imagine. And the sweetness of the presence of God has been so good to me that I've literally said to God, God, as long as I know you're here, I'm good. I mean, as long as I know you're beside me, as long as I can feel your presence, as long as I can, I, can, I can hear you whisper in my ear and tell me that you love me, then it doesn't matter what comes my way. As long as I know you're here, that is enough for me. Deuteronomy 31, uh, verse 6, uh, God's kids needed to be reminded because of the enemies that they would have to face They needed to be reminded of the presence of God. And here's what he says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. Because the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you no matter what you go through, no matter how big the enemy is, no matter how much they outnumber you. You don't have to be afraid because God's with you. His presence is with you. Proverbs 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend, oh my gosh, there is a friend. There is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. He is consistently, constantly, every, ever present with me every day, no matter what I go through. And there's times, really, when I would want him to not be with me. There's like times I was going to leave the house and I would say, God, i got to be honest, I'm going to get some junk you ain't going to like. So if you want to stay at the house... We can talk when I get back. And he would say, nope, I'm going with you. And I would have to rethink. Are you with me? I would have to rethink my thoughts. His presence is it's incredible. So I can be grateful for my salvation. I can be grateful for his presence. And then, and then Paul says this, and this is really kind of where things get kind of crazy. He says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. Y'all remember last week, if you were here last week, and we were in Romans 8, and, you know, God is working all things. It's that same kind of principle. And just so you know, this, this word anxious, it's a beautiful, powerful word. Let me tell you what it means. It means to be concerned. And as soon as I read that, I thought some Christian wrote that. They, they made this stuff up. Because you know what? You know, we, we know, as Christians, we know we're not supposed to worry. And so we'll say, I'm not worried. I'm just concerned. So, I smiled when I read that. To be concerned or worried, here, this is part of the definition that I love. To be pulled apart in many directions. Does that not, like, nail how you feel when you're worried and overwhelmed with problems and what you're facing and what's coming tomorrow and next week and next month? Maybe you're worrying about your job, and you start worrying about your job, but then that rolls into, how am I going to support my family? I'm going to lose my job. I'm I'm not going to be able to support my family. My kids aren't going to love me anymore. I'm not going to be able to give them things that they need. My wife, there's going to be a struggle. My husband, there's going to be a struggle. And so relationships are going to be destroyed. And before you know it, you know what? That thing has spread to every area of your life, and you are overwhelmed, feeling pulled apart by all of your worry and anxiety. And then Paul says, Paul says, don't do that. Don't feel pulled apart. Stop it. Don't be anxious about anything. So he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and here's my word, Thanksgiving. I underlined that in my notes. Thanksgiving. Present your request to God. So this... Greek word for Thanksgiving is a word I'm not even going to try to pronounce I I usually murder all those words anyway I murder most English words so definitely I'm going to murder a few a few Greek words but you see right in the middle of that word can you see that you see it ah we're back to grace you with me maybe not So in the middle of this word, thanksgiving, is this word that's grace, and that's the idea of God's grace, his unmerited favor. So Paul is saying that you can rejoice with thanksgiving because of God's grace and his mercy and the very fact that he is constantly and consistently present in your life. And so here's what he's saying. He said, hey, I'm in prison here. I'm locked up, but my circumstances don't dictate my ability to rejoice and be thankful in spite of the fact that I am in prison I am in chains, facing my death. I can still rejoice. I can still be thankful. And then check this out. And then he says, and, and the peace of God. How many would say right now, you, just, you know what, I'd love to have me some peace, right? Are you looking for Peace. We're fixing to enter into the Christmas season, right? Peace on earth, right? We're, looking, we're all looking for peace. It's, it's a crazy world. It's a crazy world we live in. It really is. I mean, we thought COVID was bad enough, and then, you know, we take COVID, and you put politics on top of that. You add gas prices. Don't you want to shoot somebody sometime? You want to pull up to the pump and shoot the pump. I mean, don't shoot nobody, but you want to shoot the pump. The sign with the price, you know, Just, I probably shouldn't have said that. That wasn't good at all, was it? But it's kind of how we feel sometimes, right? He's saying that, you know what, right here in prison, locked up my circumstance. But here's the thing, my circumstance does not dictate my ability to rejoice and to be thankful. Then he says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. It's awesome. I think we all want peace. <clears throat> and here's the thing the Greek word for peace actually, this is what I love about the Bible, man. It actually means the exact opposite of the word anxiety, what it means to be anxious. It's the Greek word, they'll throw that up on the screen because I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but here's what it, here's what it means. Here's what it means. It means to be made whole and complete. So when you're anxious, everything's scattered, right? And what Paul says, he says, but I, give you, I want you to have the peace that transcends human understanding. I want you to feel whole and complete. Let's see if I can try to. If you're not nervous, you should be. So can I say, I'm chicken. I'm a little chicken. Really what I should do, because this is a, it's a lunch tray. I thought that was funny. Nobody else seemed to think. But a lunch tray speaks volumes to me, okay? And so it's got these little ridges, and I can put that little marble right there. Bam. You know why I did that? Because I'm scared. If I have put it over here, I mean, I don't have any, I don't have any boundaries. Y'all with me? Because I'm going to get crazy in a minute, and there's going to be more and more marble on here. I mean, I'm not too bad with one marble. Too bad if I stand here. (laughs) And so this tray represents my life. And this marble represents, like, one problem. You with me? And so one problem, it's not too bad. I can handle one problem. <laughs> I like to miss that. That would have been awful. But life's not that simple, is it? And so, obviously, we're flowing downhill. So now trying to balance this becomes a little bit. And so now you know why I got the bumpers, right? Because I would have marbles all over the floor. Somebody would trip after church, fall, sue us for millions of dollars. And if you tithe off of, off of that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe I should drop them. So I'm feeling pulled apart, and, and so... It, All of these problems, one problem's not too bad, but trying to balance everything on my own, everything gets totally out of hand. I'm being pulled apart. And I think that's the picture of life, isn't it? Because life is never as simple as having just one problem. I mean, we have more than that. And then Paul comes along and says, But don't be anxious. I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to feel pulled apart. And so then, old Paul, man, he would get us whooped into, you know, it's not just standing here, but you got to take a step of faith. That's not good. Taking a step of faith for me is I'm doing pretty good, but at some point, I'm going to trip over my own two feet and I'm going to lose everything. Y'all with me? And then when we lose everything, we get discouraged and we get overwhelmed and we go, oh my gosh, listen, I can't handle this. The good news of what Paul is saying, you don't have to be anxious, but through prayer and petition and through thanksgiving, through being grateful, you will understand that God holds your tray in his hand. You don't have to carry your worries and your problems alone. So how do you stop the insanity of trying to keep all the marbles on the table? Where's the peace? The Bible is, is so, so sweet. Holy Spirit, when he dictated Paul what to write, he was very pointed and said, you know what? You've got to do verse 6 before you ever get to verse 7. If you don't do verse 6, you're never going to get to verse 7. And so verse 6, he said, don't be anxious about anything. Remember, anxious has been pulled apart. I don't want you to be pulled apart. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, and as you learn how to be grateful as you learn to be grateful for your salvation, the ever-presence of God, and then as you learn to be thankful that knowing that God can take all of your worries, all of your problems, all of your, the circumstances that get you all tore up every day, God will take those in his big old hands and you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. And then, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let me try to illustrate this with a really, really old, very cheesy Christian bumper sticker. It's pretty bad, but it's really, really good. And, and in and the bumper sticker, it said, no Jesus, no peace. Y'all with me? Come on, all the Christians went, whoop, whoop. That's what I'm talking about. But, but wait a minute, it says know Jesus and know peace. But listen, this is not just a head knowledge of Jesus. I'm talking about knowing him intimately. You're walking with him every day. You've got all this stuff going on in your life. And now what you can do is say, God, you know what? But it's not in my hands, it's in your hands. I can trust you. You promised you'd never leave me nor forsake me. I've got salvation that is secure in you. And you're going to make all of these things, all of these marbles, all of these troubles and all of these problems, you're going to make them work for my good and your glory. And I got peace. It's crazy. Paul is in prison. And he has a peace that transcends understanding. Of course he does. Because his life is in God's hands. God's at work. I don't have to balance all these problems on my own. He'll carry my tray. When you understand that, you operate. You just operate from a place of gratitude. Jesus said in Luke 6, he said a good man brings good good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I I don't know if I'm doing a great job of explaining this but let me just tell you what I've learned and I learned it the hard way. A lot of years of not understanding it, fighting it at times. All I know is that speaking with gratitude and thanksgiving squelches negativity. It's like both of those things can't reside in your heart at the same time. It's a gateway to peace. There's a final verse that Paul pens as he's uh, wrapping up this letter. Here's what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, excellent. And I underline that next word. If anything is praiseworthy. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think on those things. I just want you to think on those things. And as you think on those things, and as you learn to have a heart of gratitude, then what you think about is going to transform your heart. And then out of, the, out of your heart, it's going to overflow words of affirmation, words of optimism, not negativity. We'll change this crazy world that we live in, folks. People look at us and say, "You you Christians are crazy people, and we'll say, "Hey, man, we got peace, dude, we got peace, and i don 't know if tomorrow will be any better. Gas may go up again tomorrow but, but my guess what my joy my, my peace is not i don't it doesn't rest in that god 's got me if would never leave me don never forsake me he 's got me he 's walking with me. I want to close um by sharing with you how this has kind of played out in my in my own life personally i wish i could tell you that you know i learned this principle many years ago and i applied it i found it in the bible and it was awesome i said here's a principle i'm gonna apply that to that principle and bam it worked it wasn't quite that easy for me but it seems that much of what i've learned is, has been out of frustration can i just be honest with you and if i'm honest i would say a lot of what i've learned has been out of my frustration with god at times can you say that in church and i get fried it has And then out of frustration with God and out of frustration with myself. So every day, I would start my prayer just being thankful for my salvation. I'd say, God, wow. Look at me. I don't deserve you. Lord, you didn't even come looking for me in church. You found me in a warehouse on Pelham Road 10 minutes till 7 on a Monday morning. Awesome. God, you so got to Hold of my heart that I knelt on a cold cement floor. And I, best I knew how I surrendered my life to you. Wow. And you know what, God? If you never do anything else for me, that's enough. That's enough. And that cha- certainly changed my perspective on what I thought I deserved. But honestly, I got to be honest, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And so I started a prayer list. And I'm a little ADD, okay? I'm a lot ADD. And so I need a prayer list to help me stay focused. Or I wonder all over the place. And at the very top of my list, actually, is, there's some passages of Scripture. And all of those passages point me to how big God is. Because if I'm honest, I would say that sometimes my problems, my worries, my struggles can make God look small. And so sometimes when I'm praying, the first thing I need to do is I need to read through that. And it reminds me how big God is and that he's got me. In the palm of his hand, he doesn't even have to use two hands with me. Just one hand is big enough. And I'm in the palm of his hand. And then I'm thankful for my family. I I start to pray for my family. And I, I can't pray for my family. I can't pray for my girls without just being, oh, man, so incredibly grateful. And then, if I'm just honest with you, this will be kind of hard to admit, but in the beginning of our marriage when I prayed for Karen, I didn't start with gratitude. Man, that didn't feel good to say and, and sound good and feel good, but it was the truth. I would start by asking God to change all the things that I thought that he should change to make her the perfect wife. And I, I had I had a good list. And Listen, I would say, God, you know what? I'm supposed to love my wife like you love the church. Well, if she like, would respect me, are you with me? Hello? Like, then I could love her. And he said, it doesn't work that way. I went, what? And so what Holy Spirit began to do in my life, through all of those crazy prayers I prayed, those early years of our marriage, was what he began to show me was that, you know What? She may not be perfect, but he made her perfectly for me. You know what I learned? Was that even those things that I saw as a negative in those early years, that first year of our marriage, those things that I saw was negative. You know know what he showed me? Was actually he used those things to grow me up spiritually. And I went, awesome. Could you still talk to her about a couple of those things? I just think it would be good. And y'all know crazy about that woman oh my gosh she may not be perfect but I don't I just, we just don't know that many of her flaws her children which includes me most days <laughs> we think she's perfect but I didn't start there but as I learned how to be grateful for the gift of caring. It, it, changed, it changed how I prayed for it, But, but here's the thing, it, but it went deeper than that. I don't even know how it happened, but I knew that suddenly I, I was thanking God more in my prayer life and I was thanking for the big things. That's pretty easy, right? And so if this happened and it was a big deal, Karen got a raise, yay. You know, if we got a new car, whatever. Thank you, God, thank you for the big things in life. But what I noticed was that suddenly I began to be so grateful for the little things. This is not in my notes. And I shared a little bit of it. Probably gonna not make any sense to you, but Karen and I were blessed this year. We had a 40 year anniversary. 40 years 39 happy years. That one year was awful. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And so Karen and I had to go early because River Scott was born in May and our anniversary is in May. And that was pretty awesome too, wasn't it? Have y'all seen a picture of my grandson? I happened. So we were blessed with this trip. Maybe one day I'll get brave and tell you exactly where we went. It was free. So we were on this trip and we were having the time of our life and every day God was showing up in the most amazing ways. I'm not, really, I'm not kidding you. We saw miracles every single day. And there was one day in particular that we'd been off on an adventure. We'd come back to this little town that we were in and we looked at our watch and we had to, we wanted to go to the other we wanted to travel <laughs> about 30 minutes to see the sun set. We saw the sunset almost every single day. We love to see the sunset. We love to see the sunrise. And so Karen looked down at her watch. She said, oh my goodness. She said, we had a, you know, our cars parked and we paid, but I think that time is up. I thought, I don't want to get towed. And so we, you know, we ran back. We thought, well, we don't have to go anywhere. We'll just stay right here, but we'll have to pay extra for parking. Sure enough, we went to the parking light and our time was up and we were standing there looking at one of them full boxes y'all know what I'm talking about you got one of them boxes I let her take care of that I can't see there's no telling what I'll punch in I don't even know how all that stuff works technology scares me and so Karen was standing there and she said well it's gonna be $15 for another hour I said what and if y'all know us we both looked at each other so I ain't paying no $15 that's crazy people are crazy we were gifted with this beautiful, wonderful trip, and we're going to gripe and fuss over $15. So all of a sudden, there was a man. It was like a new suburban. I mean, a big, beautiful automobile rolled down his window and was saying something to me. Honestly, I thought he was trying to sell us weed. That's a true story. And so I said... What? How much is it? No, I didn't I didn't say that. <laughs> Shoot. Messed up my story. So anyway, this man looks at us and he says, are, are, are you trying to you your parking? He, I guess he's heard this whole conversation, probably thinking, these poor people. They can't afford $15. Bless their heart. So he says, you know what? We still have time on our ticket. And so here's what I'm going to do. If you'll just pull around. I'm going to back out, and you pull right in, and I'm going to give you my ticket. And we looked down. We looked down. The sun set every day, 630, 631, 632. The ticket expired 640. (laughs) And Karen and I stood there and looked at each other, and we just cried. And we said, wow that our Heavenly Father would love us so much that he would provide a parking space. That it may sound like nothing to you. It was a big thing to us. And we took that $15 and we bought ice cream. (laughs) And that is true as well. Gratitude seeing the beauty of every day and the blessings of every day and how God just absolutely overwhelms us with his goodness. It could be a blue sky. It could be the sunset on a cloudy day and you see the beautiful colors and you go, oh my gosh, I thought clouds were going to, you know, mess up the sunset and yet it's just more gorgeous than you could imagine. And you think, God, wow, you did that for I want us to close with a song by Brandon Lake. It's called Gratitude. I love the words, I love all the words. I was gonna to try to, you know, maybe read a few and clue you in onto some different pieces of it and, you know, lean into this. But honestly, I think all of the words, it was just awesome. And here's all I know, all I know that praising God out of a heart of gratitude builds confidence. That's what it's done for me. And it builds assurance. And I said, t- listen, and it brings peace to my troubled soul. So I want you to listen. Hey, you know what? Start maybe with your ears, but go beyond that. Can you, Can you do that? Can you go beyond that? And to, and to listen to the words, to hear Holy Spirit. Use these words to speak to your heart. To change your way of thinking. And that your mind will be open to a whole new way of living your heart will be full of gratitude.